Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number six. And I have two spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 21st of August, 2023. And story number one comes from Lee. This was in the mid 80s. And I was a college student working the graveyard shift at National Semiconductor in the Silicon Valley. At night, I was the console operator in the main security building and went to San Jose State University during the day. I had recently bought a small, nearly new pickup from my co-worker, Jeff. He and the other two members of the emergency response team were like big brothers to me and had always gone above and beyond the call of duty repairing my old, unreliable 69 Ford Cougar every time it broke down. And it broke down a lot. Jeff's sister had purchased the truck new and when she decided it wasn't for her, Jeff sold it to me on her behalf. It was just what I needed. A reliable set of wheels at a great price and really low miles. My mother didn't drive and every weekend I drove 50 miles north to Concord in the East Bay to clean the house, take her to appointments, errands and grocery shopping. Once I started taking her in the truck, I realised there was no space for groceries or anything else behind the bench seat. So when it rained, everything that was sitting in the back got soaked. After consulting with my ERT big brothers, it was Jeff who again came to the rescue and said he had a friend where he lived in Salinas, 65 miles south of San Jose, who could get me a great deal on a camper shell that locked shut, so I started saving my money. I lived across the street from the admissions building at San Jose State University in the basement apartment of the Dorchester on 295 East San Fernando Street. Originally the Gilman residence built in 1895, the three-storey Queen Anne-style mansion became a boarding house a few years later and those rooms were eventually converted into apartments. If you look at it on Google Maps today, you can see the four bay windows on the corner of East San Fernando and South 7th Street. That was the front of my studio and back then it was one third the width and ran the length of the building. My bathroom at the back of the building was the coal room originally and had one of those old clawfoot bathtubs directly under the wallpapered over swinging window that covered what was once the coal chute. The house wasn't gated like it is today and the front and back doors were supposed to be kept locked but seldom were and I would often leave or come home to homeless men lying asleep on the floor along the wall in the back hallway. One night as I was leaving for work, there was a homeless man standing on the small covered front porch, taking shelter from the rain. 
I squeezed past him as I exited and closed the door behind me. It's gone now, but back then, when you came out of the door, the left side of the porch had a wall with a bank of those vertical aluminium mailboxes. I opened the narrow compartment with my key, so I had no mail and hurried to lock it closed again. As I was doing so, this bearded homeless man, who looked on the young side, called me by my name and said, Lee, don't go to the seaside. If you go to the seaside, you'll die. Inwardly, I rolled my eyes and hurried to lock my mailbox and yank out the key. So many of the homeless guys at that time, in that area anyway, were also mentally ill, some of them quite seriously. I felt badly for this guy, but I still wanted to get away from him as quickly as possible in case he was armed or became violent, because that kind of thing did happen sometimes. As I hurried down the steps and away, he again called me by my name and repeated, Lee, don't go to the seaside. If you go to the seaside, you'll die. I hurried around the house on the small patch of slick green grass through the rain and scolded myself for putting on my name tag and ID badge with my picture and name in a big bold font. I usually only put those on my security uniform once I got to work. Then I stuck my hand in my jacket pocket and realised they were both still in there. So how did that guy know my name? He didn't get it from the mailbox. To protect tenants' privacy, names were only posted inside the locked panel above, identifying the individual mailboxes only to the mailman who sported that key on a giant ring of keys for residential key boxes. But you know, I was kind of used to the homeless guys. I always parked on the grass alongside the building, and once I got in the truck and negotiated my way in reverse back to the driveway, down and out the street, I had completely forgotten about the guy on the porch who... Just as a side note here, did not smell or emit any kind of odour. And I completely dismissed that there was no way he could have known my name. That might sound strange, but I was an overtired young college student, working the graveyard shift, going to school during the day, and getting by on very little sleep. So yeah, I went right back to being focused on getting to work. 2.30am was break time, when you worked the 10-6 to graveyard shift and the ERT guys always came around to hang out for a chat while I manned this huge bank of security monitors. On this night, while we were talking, Jeff said to me, Oh hey, you know how I told you my guy with the camper shell business is in Salinas? I nodded, and he said, Well, I was wrong, his place is in Seaside. Now I grew up in Monterey, California, and I know all the nearby towns. Salinas is 19 miles north and east of Monterey and you drive through the small coastal town of Seaside to get there. You know that scene in Jaws when the shark chomps the little kid off his raft and Spielberg rushes the camera in on Roy's face while zooming out the lens at the same time? That's exactly how I felt. Like the world zoomed in and out at the same time. Like time sort of wobbled for a second. Not even a second, a moment. And without so much as missing a beat or batting an eyelid, I said, Oh, you know, I changed my mind about buying a camper shell. I can live without it. He was kind of surprised, but he shrugged it off and I thanked him for still thinking about me and the subject changed and the night went on. I drove that truck for four years and I never did put a camper shell on it. And it was a long time before I even thought about that night again. 
I think I blocked it because at least 20 years passed before I even remembered it again, let alone told anyone about it. Would something bad have happened to me if I had driven to Seaside to buy a camper shell? Would I have died in a car accident or, or what? Who knows? But there was no way that homeless man who did not stink to high heaven could have known my name. He wasn't a ghost, he wasn't see-through, he looked like an actual flesh and blood guy standing on my front porch calling me by name and warning me not to go to the seaside. Did he save my life? I like to think so, but I'll never know. If nothing else, he did save me at least 400 bucks. What I like about this story, Lee, is that you went to the kind of rational explanations like, oh shit, I shouldn't be wearing my name tag with my name in big writing and photo on it when I'm not in work, which is probably good practice for everybody. Like I used to do that all the time where I'd wear my lanyard with my like staff ID badge everywhere that I went to. Probably not a good thing and probably good practice to only wear it in work when it's necessary. Anyway, that was your first thought, which I think is a very logical and reasonable first thought. And then you're like, oh shit, no, actually, I'm not, I'm not actually wearing it. I'm not wearing my lanyard. And I think at some point we've all encountered people kind of on the streets, whether they're homeless people or not homeless people who have been mentally unwell and maybe approached us and said something. You know, it happens. It happens to everybody at some point. I would be a little bit shook if somebody went, Lee, don't go to the seaside. If you go to the seaside, you'll die. And then repeated it. But I do think that like you, I'd be like, oh, well, it's just one of those weird things that happen. I need to take my lanyard off, etc., etc., and then would carry on about my day. Uh, what a great description, by the way, of that scene in Jaws when <laughs> when the camera rushes in on Roy's face and the lens zooms out that I totally understand exactly the feeling that you mean where you're like the whole world stops for a second and you think, oh, hang on a second hang on just one second, maybe I shouldn't go and collect this camper box thing. Listen, was this man your guardian angel? Or did he have abilities to be able to predict things? How very strange. You know, obviously a part of me is like, God, I wish he would have gone to Seaside to see what would have happened. But then he wouldn't be here to tell us this story. So I'm glad you heeded the advice of the man in the porch. Because who knows what would have happened. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And story number two comes from Marama. 
I am a descendant of the first peoples of New Zealand. My particular grouping of indigenous people who I descend from were well known for their psychic abilities, even nicknamed the psychic warriors back in the day. These abilities were passed down from generation to generation. My own children showed the sensitivity from toddlers. It's particularly strong in the female genes in our family, but our men have been known to know things and it shows in them too. Back in the day when we had party phone lines and old telephones, my aunt would forever freak me out by telling me to answer the phone before it even rang. And my mother seemed to know what I was thinking before I did anything, which made for an interesting and frustrating childhood. She would just know what I was going to do before I did it. My grandparents had 14 children. My grandfather was Irish and my grandmother was Maori. I stopped counting the next generation of children when it got to 200, so it is a very large family. And the skills passed on were always different or stronger, weaker in all of us, like a mismatch of one incredibly amazing superhero skill. If only one of us had it all. But it spread out thinly and widely. I was raised experiencing and watching paranormal activities all my life. And I have my own theories around genetic memories, past lives and DNA memories. That I'll share at another time. We don't really talk about it much in our day-to-day lives or broadcast it for fear of ridicule after being colonised by religion and legislation. Never conquered. That fear is very real for us. Imprisonment was worse than being conquered. As our, for want of a better name, shamans, that practised our ways were made illegal by legislation in 1907, which made my family bury their medicines and objects and sacred teachings away from prying eyes that tried to have them locked up for breaching the Tahunga Suppression Act 1907. The fear of what we were capable of was not tolerated, and we were taught not to do whatever it is that we do. My grandmother and her grandmother were persecuted and treated poorly for doing what came natural to them. They learnt to do it in secrecy, never fully compliant. My mother would be horrified that I am sending this to you. I used to share little things on Facebook that were recent and she would be at me until I took it down. We have many secrets, so I think it's okay for me to share my stories because they happened to me. The rest, they can share. I'll just stay with my own stories. I heard Dan mention in an early podcast about how when somebody dies, a baby is born and a part of that person carries on. It's very real in our family and a lot of time that child will be named after the one that passed away. My earliest recollection of a paranormal experience was in 1976. I was five years old and lived in a tiny country town in the outskirts of the Manawatu. In those days, we didn't have a TV or a car. All we had was a record player and my dad's guitar. So every morning I would get up to go to school, say goodbye to everyone and walk out to the road where my grandfather would meet us, hold my hand and laugh and chatter all the way to school. He would tell the stories about if you stand on a crack in the pavement, you'll marry a rat. So I would jump over the cracks while holding his hand, laughing all the way to school. He warned me about manholes on the road or path to stay clear of them or if one is open and I fall in, I would disappear forever. 
I don't think Stephen King's It was even written then, but I remember folklore stories about drains and sewers. So I stayed away from them. School would end and he would be waiting for me outside the gate. He would walk me all the way home. I loved these moments with my granddad. I felt so safe because I did have to cross over a very big main street to get to school. One day I came home and asked my mother, Where's Grandad's silver tray? He was given at his favourite golf club. He had told me in great detail about this tray on the way home from school. My mother looked at me strangely and said, How do you know about that? I've never mentioned it to you. Your Uncle Pluto is looking after it for you. I said, Why is he looking after it, Mum? Because your granddad wanted you to have it when you were older. I said, Why doesn't he look after it himself, Mummy? And she said, Because he can't. He is no longer here with us. I protested and argued fiercely, saying, Oh, yes, he is, Mummy. I see him every day. He takes me to school, sticking my chin out defiantly. A strange white pallor came over her face. She became very concerned. Because in the big city, Palmerston North, there were stories of a creepy old man offering kids lollies and luring them away outside of schools and shops. All the mothers were talking about it and how they had to keep an eye on us kids. Very seriously, she asked me what this man looked like. I thought, and I looked at her and I said, He's a wee bit taller than you, Mum. He's slim, like you, has protruding ears like you, and green eyes like you, Mum. If she could get a shade whiter, she would have. She stumbled and sat down, and then she asked if I could remember anything else. Yes, Mum, he has a big red spot on the back of his neck. She looked like she was going to faint. She took a big breath and asked if I remembered anything more. I thought really hard, and I said... When he's waiting for me outside or at school, he tucks both his hands in his back belt and paces a bit. Like this, mummy. And I got up and mimicked my granddad's way that he paced up and down. She started to cry and I asked her what was wrong and I started to cry too. My mother hardly ever got upset like this. She took another big breath and said, When you were born, you lived with your grandfather and grandmother while I looked for work. I would visit you every chance I could. You were the last baby in the house before your grandfather died. On the day he died, he was being honoured for his 25 years membership of his golf club. When they presented him with a silver tray, he had told my eldest brother, your Uncle Pluto, to look after it and give it to you when you were older. After he received the tray, he collapsed. The red blood clot on his neck burst and he instantly died in front of everyone at the golf club. You were only 18 months old. I couldn't believe her and I wouldn't believe her. He continued to walk me to school for a short time but after a while mum and dad would walk me to school to be on the safe side and I saw my granddad less and less. But he would turn up every now and then standing in the doorway with his hands behind his back. For me, as a child, he was tangible, physically there, where I could touch, talk and walk with him. As I got older, he didn't show up as much. This makes me sad. But every now and then, even in my fifties, I can feel him close by. 
I know he's with us and makes his presence known if I need him. When I first read this story and I got to the part where you were talking to your mom about your granddad, I knew, I knew the sentence was going to be that he had passed away. I knew it was. But even still, I was still shocked. It still gave me the heebie-jeebies. It still made the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. Like, how long did it go on for before you had said it to your mom? You know, because you're a kid. Obviously, you're going to be like, oh yeah, granddad's coming to walk and take us to school. Brilliant, of course. And I also wonder, like, you know, when people saw you walking along, did they see you walking along to school with an older man? Or did they see you walking along chitter-chattering to yourself in that way that kids do? You know what I mean? Kids skip and run and you know have a great time when they're bopping along anywhere like or did people see him with you and of course you're not going to ask any questions you're going to go oh there's a there's a wee one going to school with her granddad like you're not going to ask any questions I can't even imagine what went through your mom's head when she was like what do you mean the silver tray and then you go on to describe your granddad because that is a huge that is a lot New Zealand is on my list of places to go. I would absolutely love to go there. But I, I know very little about Maori culture. I mean, I know I know some. I know a bit. I know the Maori people suffered great oppression. And I, I really do, like, I'd love to learn more about Maori people and Maori culture. I need to do that before I go to New Zealand. Like, properly sit down and learn about Maori traditions and Maori culture. Because I, it's just really fascinating. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Lee and Marama for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from August the 21st, 2023. And if you would like to send in your stories, you can do so by emailing them to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.